Welcome back, everyone. This is Simon Phillips. This is the Lead in the Field podcast. And my very special guest today, Jen Wagner, all the way from the United States. I'll let Jen specify exactly where she is because it, it's not that big, but I suspect... It... <laughs> Jen is the founder and CEO of We Prosper. WeProsper.co, if you're on the internet, go and find it. It's a really excellent website to clarify some of the things that we're going to be talking about today. But Jen is all about empowering women to thrive. And I think the, um, what I'm really excited to talk to Jen about today is just how do you do that with everything else that is on our plates these days? You know, how do we thrive as well as just get by with everything that's going on? But I'm sure we'll talk about that in detail. But the real expertise that Jen has is all about that crossover between medicine and human performance. So I'm really excited to find out more about that. Jen, welcome. How are you doing? Thanks, Simon. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing great. Yeah. So I'm over in Park City, Utah, and it's so fun to be able to connect with you and your audience in a different location. And so I really appreciate you taking the time to talk. Yeah, my pleasure entirely. So Utah, middle of the country somewhere? More, a little more towards the west. Okay. Um, we're bordered by Nevada, Arizona, Colorado, uh, Idaho. So kind of, yep, just a little bit off the West Coast. So I took a Greyhound from Boston to San Diego. Would I have crossed through Utah? I remember Nevada. Possibly. It depends on which highway you took. But okay. oftentimes you come through Utah and then come down. So, ah, yeah. Marvelous. Uh, the only reason I can't probably remember is because I, I know I slept a lot on that coach. <laughs> It's a long way. It's a long way. And some of that scenery gets pretty boring. So um, there's not much to look at. Yeah. I remember I remember um, chatting to my friend who's a huge Springsteen fan. Okay. And uh, and and there's, a, there's an album called Nevada by um, Bruce Springsteen. And I'm pretty sure I may have mentioned something about dull scenery and some correlation <laughs> with the album, but I, I can't remember now. <laughs> 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 so, Jen, it's lovely to meet you. Tell us a little bit. For the audience, the people listening, the people watching, tell us a little bit about your background. Tell uh, the origin story. Where does all this start? Absolutely. So uh, I was a... In the United States, I was a Division One college athlete, so kind of playing athletics at the highest level you could in college. I was a soccer player. And um, after college, I went and got a master's in exercise physiology and spent some time in that world and then went on to medical school. And then I did a couple residencies and a fellowship and ended up being subspecialized in pediatric anesthesiology by the time I left medicine um, and spent about 15 years in the operating room taking care of high acuity babies and children and um, was an awesome time. I loved what I did in most of that time was in California. Um, mm -hmm. I was at Stanford University for a long time and spent a long time not only taking care of patients, but I also spent a lot of time um, organizing and running the operating room and running teams. And um, that experience has been kind of crucial to how I've transitioned out of medicine and then in 2017, my family relocated to Utah. We moved, um, I have two teenage daughters, and, or at the time they were much younger, but we moved to just slow down a little bit and have a little bit different yeah. perspective on our life. Yeah. So we moved to Utah in 2017. And to be honest, I kind of had my dream clinical job. I uh, was working in a small nonprofit, almost charity children's hospital in Salt Lake City and mm. really 
had the ability to care for patients in the way our team thought it was best to care for patients. We were not, we were held to the same quality standards, but we were not held to the same, I guess, level of profit standard that a lot of hospitals are are held to. Um, and so we could really spend a lot of time with patients and families. And uh, it was just a great environment. It was a great demonstration of how really teams should work together, especially in high acuity situations. Yeah, that's okay. I, I was just one curious. You you mentioned about the, the different standards between those um, two environments. One, as you say, there is a focus on the profit. There's a focus on the, the financials, if you like, and the other mm-hmm. had uh, had a very different focus. Did that impact performance of the team in any in any way that you noticed? Was it different? I think so. I think when you are given the space and the ability to really do what you think is right without having to fight a lot of battles to do that. Yeah. I think it. it I don't know if it affected I think it did affect the moment to moment performance and the fact that we were very bonded so we didn't have a lot of resources because we were not a for profit hospital so we all had to be creative in what yeah. we were doing and so we were very bonded and our communication and our trust levels were really high with each other so we were able to take care of complex patients with minimal resources I think for long term performance it really prevented burnout. We had a lot of control over our work environment. We had a lot of control over our relationships with patients and we could set some boundaries that are just, were not, other systems did not allow to be set. And so I think that it really did allow us to function at a higher level. Nice. Like that. Sorry, I interrupted you. You're telling us. No, not at all. So where did that lead to? Yeah. So then in, um, 2021, that model underwent um, a pretty abrupt change, and uh, it was kind of a model change that was sweeping multiple hospitals in this organization throughout the country, and they were moving our surgical services back into a larger hospital, and I decided I didn't want to go back to that system. I had really found where I was thriving, and I wasn't willing to sacrifice that. So. I made quite a career change um, at the age of 44, kind of left my clinical career and ended up becoming a partner in a human performance company called The Liminal Collective and was an awesome couple years with an amazing, amazing group of people and got connected into a community that just was really able to make a difference and was still very service-based, but almost a difference on a much broader platform. And so we could touch a lot more people a lot of the time and then was connected into this amazing community of women within the liminal collective community. And we just over the last couple years started talking about how do we combine our experiences and our energy and our kind of passion about bringing some of this performance training to women and and create something to go and present to the world. And so that's how Prosper was kind of developed and born. Okay. So that brings us right up to date. So how many of you in um, in the team now in We Prosper? So we have six. Um, I have three really amazing content partners and they are just best in the world at what they do and really passionate about. I think we all came from rather male-dominated fields and male-dominated environments and had all throughout our careers noticed that we weren't really addressing half the population that was in the room. We didn't ask 
specific questions around what their needs were. So that's kind of become our sole mission. And then we have a fantastic COO who has a long tech background. And then we have a fantastic younger teammate who is doing a lot of our strategy and logistics. And um, she's just amazing. And it's really fun to watch her grow in this role. Yeah, that's magic. So the, as I said, there is this crossover in your background between medicine and human performance. Does that provide a big, almost like backbone for We Prosper or, or is it um, just one of the things that you do amongst a suite of others? That's a really good question. I think that it provides a level of authenticity that that we can talk about some things, especially when we're talking to women who a lot of their challenges tend to be stem from some biological and physiological differences that we can get down into those details rather quickly and have a level of understanding. So it provides space to have those questions for um, and have those conversations for sure. And, and so I think I've been really fortunate that my background can lead us into areas where maybe some of my other teammates or even some other companies in this space don't necessarily have as easy access to. Mm. Okay. So, I mean, I've been through the, the website and the volume of things that you and your team cover is staggering in terms of the, but it, but it doesn't feel as if you're spreading yourselves thin. It actually feels like it's all self-supporting and all helping you, you know, really get to, to grips with some of these significant challenges. So if we think about the big question, the one that you said, you, you know, mm-hmm. you, the work that you were observing before you put this group together looked like it was ignoring 50% of the population, if you like. What is it that you're tackling first uh, on that specific issue? What, what do you think you really tune into greater than, than you've seen done before? I think the main thing is asking the questions. I think that really going into some of these groups and saying, how are you feeling? Most of the groups that we're starting to work with have contacted us for a specific reason, whether they have a cohort in their organization that is lacking confidence or having trouble with communication or having trouble saying, putting up boundaries around work, around life and how to navigate those. So, I, you know, it's, it's interesting that every group comes with a little bit of a different app. And I think it comes, I think the first place to start is no one has in turn to ask them, why do you feel this way? What, what do you see that is impeding your ability to be optimized? You know, and like you mentioned, it is very holistic. You know, it is, maybe it is something that they think is in work, but it turns out they're really not sleeping or recovering well. And so I think it's just the, the initial step and kind of, we have kind of a three phase offering and the first step is that we call is discovery and it really is just going into the room and creating space to listen and help them decide where the best place to start is because i think no one's oftentimes they're not even being asked those questions and given that opportunity to share those experiences and stories yeah well i'm really keen to know and maybe we'll get into that a little bit later in terms of what does some of those conversations look like what are the key outcomes that you're noticing but we'll get back to that in a minute i want to go back a few steps and think about the, the younger jen wagner so 
what is it you think? I mean, obviously you've talked about the sport and and the medicine and the, and it is that combination. But what is it that shaped the person that you are today? Is it was there somebody specific along the way? Was there a big mentor as a youngster? Was it more about life experience that led you down this path? What is it that you think shaped shaped the person that you are today? I think a lot of things. I think sports had a lot to do with it. I think I um, I have one older sibling, and he was always involved in sports, and I wanted to do whatever he was doing, and I am really supportive, wonderful parents. I grew up in a really, you know, I have to give my family a lot of credit. Um, I grew up in a really supportive household and I know not everyone has that experience or, you know, is privileged enough to have that. I was told from a really young age, I can do whatever I want. Like I just, as long as I work hard at it, I will be successful. And so I think I was never I never had boundaries or limitations put on what I was capable of. So I never even thought about that. I never even thought about, oh, I, I'm going to be a doctor and that might be hard. I'm like, oh, this is just what I'm going to do. And once I said I was going to do it, I was very self-motivated and very self-driven that once I kind of say I'm going to do something and put it out to the world, it's really important to me to follow through on that and execute on that. But I think sports played a huge role. I, you know, I didn't really know any doctors when I was growing up. Um, my mm. uncle's a vet and he was a huge role model for me. And I loved the fact that he could take something that was injured or broken or sick and fix it and give families back something that was critical in their lives. And I, um, my mom was a science teacher. And so science was always really big in our house. And we talked about things and he always took opportunities to show me how things were working or, you know, we when I was little, we'd see a cool bug and she's like, let's watch that and explore that and see what happens. And and so being able to question things was always really encouraged for me. And so as I kind of went through my education, I really decided, I really was fascinated by the human body. And I think, again, that's really tied into sports. Um, I was really athletic growing up. And so I was always really interested on how does this work and why are some people better at certain things than others and mm -hmm. how can we train that way? And so that even that performance thing, I, I, I couldn't put a title to it back then, but it was always really fascinating to me. And then I had great coaches. I mean, I was really fortunate to grow up with great mentors who were my coaches. And so maybe they weren't specific in the medicine, but they were really monumental and helping me shape goals and achieve those goals. And I, I think I took it for granted at the time. I think I just thought they were the people I spent the majority of my time with um, because we were always training. So I think it was a combination of those things. I think just living in an environment where I was really encouraged to go after what I wanted and not, and no one said, oh, you can't do that because you're this or because you're that. I basically said, if you want to do it, go for it. Let's try. Yeah. I, I'm just reflecting there on, on another point. So I know you recently did your GC index assessment with Sean yes. Griffiths and you came out with lots of polish of energy, I seem to remember. <laughs> and um, yes. there, there seems to be a growing correlation in the data between people who are really sporty, people who have that focus on the, their own performance and developing and growing their own performance and that big polish of energy that's interesting so and, and just listening to you there you know you always want you were keen to 
find out how the body works, why some people are more effective than others in, you know, in those areas of sport and that's what sort of attracted you into that do you see that still today in your activities that desire to understand why certain things you know or what can make the difference when it comes to performance absolutely and i think that's probably where i get the most joy and excitement out of what we're doing is listening to different individuals and groups tell me their story and trying to put those puzzle pieces together to say, okay, here's the opportunity. Here is where we can really plug in to help you make a difference and to help you feel better, perform better, et cetera. So yeah, I I still get super excited about those opportunities. (laughs) Was there anything else in your GC Index numbers or you know the conversation you had with Shauna that you know was a was a moment of insight for you or anything else you want to share you know it was shocking and she and I spent a lot of time laughing about it that um just how accurate it was you know and it's it's interesting I I was very appreciative of the language it it provided me to explain a lot about myself in ways that I've probably struggled to explain articulately in the past um So I enjoyed that. It was funny because I have always thought of myself. I mean, I am a bit of a perfectionist. And so it didn't surprise me at all that the polishing piece was the highest. And I do like control. I I think that's been the hardest part about starting a new company and having (laughs) really, really phenomenal partners. You know, in, in medicine, we were always part of a team, but I was usually the most senior person on that team. I had fellows or residents or other people underneath me but I kind of had the final say in everything. And now I work with an amazing group of partners who don't need leadership in that way or that style. And so really taking a deep breath and letting them execute. And they and it's perfect and I wouldn't do anything differently, but just kind of letting go of that little bit of control has been, has been pretty challenging. And so it was interesting to see that reflected in my scores. I was like, oh, okay. So I guess this is inherent to myself and my personality a little bit. I think it, it was interesting. I thought I might have more playmaker characteristics. I, I was a little surprised because I do really enjoy being part of a team and leading a team. And so I, I thought that that might be a little bit higher, but I was laughing with her because in anesthesia, you tend to lead from being in the weeds sometimes and not having that big picture. And so my scores kind of reflected that. And so it's just interesting how, you know, we sometimes, I sometimes wonder, do I have I actively chosen the fields I've gone into or have they somewhat chosen me subconsciously? Yeah. And I, I think maybe they've somewhat chosen me just because these characteristics that I never could really put a name on before really line up with those careers I've chosen. Yeah, I get it. Playmaker is an interesting one because it is a skill set that a lot of people have. The skill set associated mm-hmm. with Playmaker is one that, especially with your level of experience of leading teams, leading uh, in sports, etc., that would have come through. The playmaker skill set would have been developed. Mm-hmm. But it's it's why we choose to do the things that we do that that really provides the energy for our day to day activity. So, mm-hmm. for you, from what I hear you saying, there it is that the energy is derived from looking around you and seeing how we can make things better, which is mm-hmm. where you know. Well within the comfort zone of a polisher, should we say? <laughs> and I love the way you. I'm said, glad consistent. I, I love the way you decided that it, it was okay that things have worked out the way they have with We Prosper, and and you don't have to lead it in the same way. But it was the the word you chose was it's perfect. 
So therefore, you know, you, you don't need to tweak it any further. It's okay. Jen, let's take a quick break and people can go and grab themselves a cuppa and we'll come back. I really want to get into why you're doing the things that you're doing right now and how that unravels on a day-to-day basis and, and um, explore that a bit more. But let's take a quick break and we'll come right back. Welcome back. This is Leading the Field with Simon Phillips and my very special guest, Jen Wagner. We've been talking all things performance and um, and polishing and even uh, sport medicine. I, I don't think we've solved world peace yet, Jen. So maybe we can do that in the second half of the program. But No problem. I'm ready. <laughs> so, Jen, you were telling me about you know this great work that you are doing with your clients, helping that 50% of the workforce, if you like, to to thrive. And I, and I want to get back to the word thrive with you in a moment. But tell us a little bit more then about some of the things that you find yourself doing on a day-to-day basis with your clients. Absolutely. So I think one of the things I noticed in the performance community is that there were a lot of teams and groups that were really great about coming in making an immediate impact, accelerating growth. But then we would return those individuals into their environments with a lot, with not a lot of support underneath. And so their people were really regressing once we, they got back in their normal environments because they just didn't have that continued support underneath. So at Prosper, that's become a really critical component for us. So we spend the first phase really deeply listening like we've chatted about um, listening to our client, where they are, where they like to go, what obstacles they see, and then what obstacles that we might see as outsiders and that they maybe have blinders onto or not aware of or have never even considered. You know, I think that that's one benefit of us having such a multidisciplinary team is that we bring experience from so many different arenas that we can help identify places where we can assist in optimizing that clients don't even know exist. And then we we really work on creating a roadmap and some foundational principles. So we definitely want our clients to feel like they're walking away with a toolkit of how they can handle certain situations and having a deeper awareness of themselves and how they respond in certain situations, you know. Are you a person that locks up when you're under stress? Are you a person that gets easily distracted if you're not sleeping or, you know, and be able to self-regulate a little bit better to feel like they have control regardless, control over their own situation, regardless if the environment they're in mm-hmm. is controllable or not. And then the, the biggest point is after we do some of this really in-depth work is to provide a coaching platform underneath them that creates a little bit of a sense of accountability, but also just serves as a resource to say, how are you doing? How is this going? Where can we fine tune for you as an individual to continue to thrive in your goals, in your journey? Yeah, I love that. So it's very, 
I guess you're tuning into the emotions as well as the the day-to-day routines and processes there. Yeah, we try to make an impact on kind of a biopsychosocial front. So we're all humans. We all have certain biologic and physiologic needs. We are social creatures. We have, you know, there's a social community, there's a social impact. And then there's definitely a cognitive, emotional, even spiritual component that is really important and often overlooked. And I think it's when I left my graduate school training in exercise physiology, performance had a very narrow scope in my mind. It was run faster, jump higher. Mm -hmm. Um, It was very much athletically based. And coming back into the performance world, 20 plus years later and really seeing that it's it's much more than that yes you know we can take a group of athletes and i am not the right person to do that this is not the type of performance that prosper is doing um we we know how to do that we know how to make people run faster and jump higher but are we really looking at the whole person and so performance has taken a much more holistic definition for our team that we really want to make sure you know do you feel like you belong to something larger than yourself do you feel that you have the right social support and connections? And, and in addition to being internally optimized as much as we can help people. Yeah, I love that. I just think the work you're doing is phenomenal because I think Thank there's you. so much that people overinterpret in terms of their responsibility. And that was the bit that I wanted to, to check in with you. How do you help people overcome that? It's almost like psychological raison d'etre, if you like. I, I, I have to be, in terms of your audience, superwoman to really get everything mm-hmm. done. You know, I have mm-hmm. to raise the perfect family if that's if that's part of my background. I have to be the perfect person leader at work. I have to be the perfect sibling in my family, etc. There's, there's a there's a pressure that people put on themselves which we see in the sort of resilience space, if you like, and uh, some mm-hmm. of the change activities that we, we help people with. Mm-hmm. But you're there with using language that, as you say, comes from a space of, I need to look at how I can be even better. So how, how does mm-hmm. that, you know, how do you help people release that pressure valve almost and, and, and still thrive and feel like they are doing the best that they can be? I think, that is such a pivotal question and i think some of it is we speak from experience you know i and i don't want people to have the same experience where i got to a point where i said you know i can either be the physician and the professional that i was being asked to be at a point in my career or i could be the mom and the wife i was being asked to be in my but i I, there was no way i could humanly do both to the level I wanted to do them. And so can we, I think one of our big initiatives is can we help women figure this out before they get to that point, before they get to that critical point to say, I have to give up one thing or the other. And so I think, you know, a lot of it is explaining language that excellence is not perfection Mm. and that being awesome is not being perfect. And we are never gonna, or most of us are never fortunate enough, I know I'm not, is to feel great in every component of my life all the time. And so I think the first thing is creating some realistic expectations. You know, even I was, we were working with a a group of young um, esport athletes yesterday. And I said, you know, it's not the end of the world if you have a cheeseburger and that's not in your nutrition plan. Like it's okay. Like, And so grace has become one of my favorite words and 
it is something that I did not practice giving myself grace for a long time. I, I had to be perfect in every aspect of my life, or at least appear to others that that was the case. And it's, it's just not realistic. And so allowing yourself some grace, allowing some forgiveness. And, you know, it, I, I have a daughter who's a competitive runner and I tell her all the time, I was like, you're not going to win every race and that's okay. Or, you know, I, my other daughters that are, that are athletes, I said, you're going to make a mistake. You have to let it go and move on. And so we teach that to others around us all the time, but we rarely practice it for ourselves. And so I really do think the first step with working with a lot of these women is understanding the difference between excellence and perfection, understanding that your best each day is going to look very different based on the day and what the challenge is. And that doesn't mean you're not doing your best and you need to celebrate that you are doing your best. So I think, and then you need to allow yourself some grace that there are days where things are just not going to be working and to continue to beat ourselves up over that is not productive. And to allow ourselves that space and allow ourselves just to say, you know what, it's okay. I'm going to come back tomorrow and tomorrow's a new day and I have another chance and I'm going to feel better. Love it. And what's the part that the people's networks, people's teams play in in this bigger picture that you're helping people to come to grips with? So I think that we're trying to help women in different organizations feel empowered and feel that they have some control. So then within those organizations, organizations are better at attracting, developing and retaining their female talent, which I think is huge. You know, the Mm. statistics about women leading medicine in the United States. I'll I'll use this example because it's so near and dear to my heart that, you know, medicine in the U.S., it's four years plus or minus for undergrad degree. It's four years of medical school. And then it's three to 10 years of residency training, depending on what subspecialty you go to. It's a really long road where you have no control. You're, You're assuming a lot of debt through eight of those years and then hardly making it being able to make ends meet working 80 plus hours a week after that. And so it's a really long road. And there's staggering statistics that 40% of female physicians are ready to leave medicine six years after finishing residency. And wow. they're ju- we just have to, I think, for a society to continue to function, we have to change, we have to change those numbers. And so mm. that's really part of what Prosper is trying to do is saying there's a huge even economic loss if we are losing women mid-career they're not ascending into leadership so there's a lack of diversity in the, in leadership which means it's slower for culture to change within organizations because the leadership is has just some biases to what's going on just because of who's sitting at the table and so i think that it, it's really critical that we continue to help women along the way feel empowered, feel committed and supported by their organizations and have the toolkits to handle when things are not going well and learn language, learn some self-forgiveness, learn how to ask for what they need. And I think that's a huge thing. You know, I think we think we can do it all on our own. And I know I thought that for years. I didn't even want to ask someone to help pick up my kids from daycare. You know, I was like, no, I must do it all. And that's not the way life works. We're social beings we're supposed you know we evolutionarily came from tribes and it took a tribe for communities to thrive and so we've just lost that and i think especially as women we've taken it on that i can do it all by myself 
Yeah. And so creating, you know, another kind of hopefully byproduct of Prosper is to create a community where women feel connected to each other and feel that they have the space and are comfortable talking to each other about these things that we often keep really private. Yeah. I love it. I'm really excited about the work that you and your team are doing. And, you know, the, the podcast is called Leading the Field, and I can see and I can hear. And do you know what? I can actually feel how much this means to you. And 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 therefore, I'm not surprised that you were recommended to, you know, come and have a chat because you really are leading the field with this stuff. And, and I'm okay. sure if people go back and listen again and listen again, they will hear a load of insights and get a lot of inspiration from the way that you're thinking about this and the way that you're encouraging others to start to shift in the way that they just even the self-perception piece is just hugely critical and um, you know if you all the work you're doing to help women shift a little even if it's just, I mean I love talking about change in terms of just it's the little nudges that make the biggest difference mm -hmm. and some of the mm -hmm. stuff that you've just talked about there I'm sure is making a huge difference and a massive impact thank you Jen thank you so much for taking some time out of your obviously incredibly busy diary to come and talk to me today and um, and share some of those thoughts with the audience that's been fantastic but before you go nobody gets out of here without telling us what record they'd like to add to the Leading the Field playlist. Um, so what's the tune that inspires you or helps you in those moments when you're uh, maybe feeling like you need a little bit of an uplift? What is it for you? Well, you know, I would be remiss right now. I have two teenage daughters and we are in deeply in Taylor Swift world. Um, <laughs> so I would, and you know, I think it, it kind of correlates really well that this amazing woman is like supporting the world right now i mean i think her u.s mm -hmm. tour she was solely to like raised our gdp in the united states two to three percent just her and everything wow. related to her so um i know it's not it's not a classic but um right now i think you know fearless by taylor swift is kind of my mantra and kind of keeps me going and reminds me to be brave um when i need to be brave right now starting this new adventure and doing things that are you know hopefully inspiring change in the world, but are definitely inspiring change in myself. And I'm not always comfortable with change. And so I need to be reminded sometimes to keep going. Yeah, fantastic. I, that's going to be a brilliant addition to the playlist <laughs> and, and probably brings the list up to date. <laughs> <laughs> he says diplomatically. Um, some of yeah. the tunes have been a, a fair bit older. So thank you for, um, for introducing that one. Absolutely. Jen, thank you again. That is brilliant. And um, good luck with everything that you do at We Prosper. How can people get in touch if they'd like to find out more? Yeah, thank you. So um, our website is weprosper.co. Um, my email is jen at weprosper.co. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at weareprosper. You can follow us on LinkedIn at uh, weareprosper and, and keep in touch with what we're doing. So that would be great. Fantastic. Thank you very much. That was Jen Wagner from We Prosper. And uh, well, I mean, I'm still, my mind's spinning right now about just some of the little insights that you gave there. So thanks for that. You've been listening to Leading the Field here with Simon Phillips and look forward to catching up with you again next week. Take good care. <laughs>